Good morning, sports fans. This is Garrison Talk Sports here on Anchor. Guys, it is Friday. Thank God it's Friday. We made it through the week. But we've got a lot of talk to talk about in the world of sports, so let's get right to it. First, starting off with the NBA results from yesterday, the 1st of February. The Pistons, now 24 and 26, defeated the Memphis Grizzlies 18, who are 18 and 33, uh, by a total of 104 to 102. Blake Griffin was Detroit's best player in his debut with the Pistons. He had 24 points and 10 rebounds. And although his new team is still very much a work in progress, the Pistons edged out, uh, were able to edge out the Grizzlies. Detroit traded for Griffin earlier this week, I'm sure you guys heard. And the Pistons haven't had much time to work with him, but they were clearly the better team when they played against the Grizzlies. Uh, Coach Stan Van Gundy, when asked about it, we were plus 23 with him on the floor in 35 minutes, so we are fairly dominant in that time. I don't know why we haven't gotten to all this in the hour and 15 minutes we've had together, but we've really got to get our spacing down and understand where we want people to be. Griffin's teammates looked uncertain at times, but Detroit was able to outlast a Memphis team that was without Tyreek Evans and Mike Conley. Memphis has had a very rough year, speaking of which. Uh, Blake Griffin, uh, when asked about the game, I wanted to just come out and play hard, being very limited in my, my knowledge of our offense. I thought Coach Van Gunny did a great job of just putting in five things that we could go to, and we ran them to death. But they worked, and everybody played hard. Uh, Griffin also said that he was extremely excited uh, for the opportunity to play in Detroit, and that you know, the, I think the city of Detroit should be excited about their chances this season. The Eastern Conference is full of mediocre teams, and the Pistons, I think, are just going to climb their way up the ladder and make, you know, position themselves pretty well uh, come playoff time. Elsewhere, the Washington Wizards defeated the Raptors last night by a score of 122 to 119. The Wizards improved to 29 and 22, while the Raptors fall to 34 and 16. Still good for second in the Eastern Conference. Bradley Beal had 20, scored 25 of his 27 points in the second half, helping the Wizards to a 122-119 win. Uh, the Wizards had eight players scoring double figures in their third straight win without all-star point guard John Wall, who had surgery on his left knee on Wednesday. Otto Porter had 16 points and 11 boards in his first double-double since early December. Markeith Morris scored 15 points, including five straight in the stretch that gave Washington the lead for good in a dogged battle against the second-place team in the Eastern Conference, aforementioned. Former Washington and Toronto guard, uh, this was before the game, uh, they held a little, they honored former Washington and Toronto guard Rasul Butler. Um, there was a moment of silence for him. Butler and his wife, uh, I'm sure you guys may have heard, died, <clears throat> excuse me, died in a single automobile accident in Los Angeles on Wednesday morning. He was only 38 years old. Uh, Rasul Butler also played for my Spurs and uh, late in his career, and he was, a, he was definitely a journeyman in the NBA, but he was a very talented player. Uh, we certainly hope he rests in peace, and our prayers are with his family. Uh, down in Texas, the Houston Rockets defeated the San Antonio Spurs by a score of 102 to 91. Uh, the Rockets improved to 37 and 13, still good for second in the Western Conference. The Spurs fall to 34 and 20. 
Uh, the Rockets used their offense to roll past San Antonio in December. This time they shut down the Spurs with their defense. James Harden had 28 points and 11 assists, in, uh, and Houston dominated San Antonio for the second time this season. Um, very unfortunate for me as a Spurs fan. Anyways, uh, the Rockets led by as many as 19 points in the first matchup between the Texas rivals since the Spurs won 24-109 blowout loss on December 15th in Houston. And the Spurs' only lead came in the opening minutes. They trailed by double digits excuse me, for much of the night. The Rockets finished 14 of 42 on three-pointers. A side note, can you guys imagine a Rockets versus Warriors Western Conference Finals? Lots of shooting between those two teams and the way the Rockets have been playing as of late. I don't I don't doubt that they could make a push all the way to the Conference Finals at least with a duo of Chris Paul and James Harden playing the way they are. And the last game worth mentioning yesterday, the Denver Nuggets defeated the Oklahoma City Thunder in a wild shootout, 127-124. to The Nuggets improve to 27-25. and They're just on the edge of playoff contention. The Thunder fall to 30-22. and Gary Harris had just enough time to catch the ball and shoot. His aim was true. Harris made the winning three-point pointer at the buzzer and finished with 25 points to lift the Denver Nuggets to their victory. Uh, that was third yesterday. Nikola Jokic added the, his third triple-double of the season with 29 points, 13 rebounds, and 14 assists, including the inbounds pass to Harris with 1.4 seconds remaining. Harris grabbed the ball, put it up uh, for the win, running off the court with his hand held high in celebration. Jamal Murray uh, had 33 points to lead the Nuggets, who lost their previous two games by a total of three points when they missed last-second shots. Paul George had a season-high at 43 points to lead the Thunder. Westbrook had 21 assists, one shy of his career high to go with 20 points and nine rebounds. That's to the haters who say he's selfish. Trailing by 15 at the half, the Thunder pulled within 9 points at 76-67 on a jumper by George, but the Nuggets put together a 12-5 burst that included 3-pointers by Harris and Murray to go back in front by 15. They held a 104-89 lead into the fourth quarter. That's when the Thunder went on their run, and it was a very impressive run, to say the least, by Westbrook and George. Um, the Thunder just weren't able to put it together at the end. Interesting though, drama after the game, a fan went onto the court and began taunting Westbrook, who then pushed him out of the way. Security guards quickly moved in and hustled the fan away, but Westbrook said the perimeter of the basketball court should be better policed. Quote, you've got to be able to protect the players, Westbrook said. The fans can obviously enjoy the game, but they can't come on the floor. They'll look at it and figure it out. But to me, that's totally unacceptable, and I agree with Westbrook. You look at the film, uh, after the shot went in, Westbrook's just going to grab the ball, and then the, you see this moron, who's probably been drinking, uh, just stumble onto the court and start yelling in his face. How do you expect a guy who's just put 42 minutes of hard basketball on the floor, to? how do you expect him to react? So Westbrook shoved him, and... They, I, I hope the NBA doesn't punish Russell for this. 
But what what do you think would happen if a guy like, say, DeMarcus Cousins had a fan get in his face like that? How do you think that would have turned out? Then again, maybe the fan would have been smart enough to not get in front of a six foot eleven behemoth like Cousins, who's known to have attitude problems. In any case, uh, hopefully, as I mentioned, the NBA looks at this. Um, Steven Jackson, I just watched on SportsCenter, said he hopes the fan gets banned. He obviously had a run-in with fans at Malice at the Palace, so he can probably speak from experience. Um, but that's just an unfortunate sight to see. Yes, you paid good money for that seat, but again, that gives you no right to get in the player's face right after a game. And that's the difference between the NBA and other sporting, other pro sporting events is the fans are right there next to the players, feet away at times. So again, this is a, you know, a kind of a unique situation that the league's gonna have to look at and we'll just wait and see what Adam Silver decides. Uh, but again, drama after the game and I personally don't find any fault in Russell Westbrook, that's for sure. So those were the results in yesterday's NBA competitions. Let's go on to today's NBA schedule, starting with the Miami Heat at the Philadelphia 76ers. This should be a good one. The Heat come in with a 29-22 record, good for fourth in the, uh, the Eastern Conference. Sixers at a perfect 500 record uh, remain, are clinging to the eighth seed. And I really thought the Sixers were going to have a little bit more than that. Uh, but that being said, they are a young team, so we're just going to hope, I just hope that they're able to put it together down the stretch, because I think it'd be cool to see Philadelphia back in the playoffs, especially with a personality like Embiid, and then the, an exciting player like Ben Simmons. Uh, side note, Dragic is the first Slovenian player to make an all-star team. Uh, told the Herald that the moment was, quote, really nice, and that all the credit goes to his teammates. He's averaging 17 points and 4.8 assists this season to lead the Heat to their record. And he was actually replacing Kevin Love, who just uh, suffered that displaced fracture in his hand. Again, Kevin Love's supposed to be out six to eight weeks. The New Orleans Pelicans are at Oklahoma City tonight. New Orleans is 27-23 and 23 in the Thunder. Uh, they, aforementioned earlier on the show, uh, sit at 30-22. and 22. Uh, when DeMarcus Cousins' season ended with that torn Achilles tendon suffered in the final seconds of New Orleans, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans' January 26th victory over Houston, their chances of making the playoffs for the first time in three seasons appeared over. But the Pelicans made a move to preserve their relevance and perhaps keep financial flexibility on their pursuit of Cousins and free agency. Uh, Thursday, the day before uh, going on the road to face Oklahoma City, uh, they acquired forward Nikola Miritich and a second-round pick from Chicago for the high-priced center Omer Ashik, who has literally done nothing in his time in New Orleans, and guards Jameer Nelson and Tony Allen, as well as the first-round pick. I, this is a fantastic move by New Orleans, but they're also pursuing Greg Monroe, apparently. Uh, but back to Miritich, he's a similar player to Cousins. Not He's not the bully, but he's a big man with three-point range. In 25 games since returning from two broken bones in his face from a fight with Bulls teammate Bobby Portis, Miritich is averaging 16.8 points per game 
with 6.4 rebounds, and both would be career highs if he continues that level of production. I don't anticipate him continuing that exact level of production, but it's going to be a, the Pelicans made a nice move here to perhaps keep their chances alive. That being said, they're in a very tough Western Conference. So adding a guy like Monroe, who was recently bought by the Phoenix Suns with the possibility of significant playing time uh, for him, bringing in a guy like Monroe, who's had a lot of success, would definitely help. And Monroe's a solid player. He He's not... Monroe could start for a lot of NBA teams. He just needs to find the right fit. He wouldn't start for the Pelicans... Uh, maybe he would. I'm not Alvin Gentry, but he he can definitely he can definitely provide a spark for the Pelicans off the bench and bring in some of that rebounding that Demarcus Cousins left in his wake. <clears throat> Golden State back in action tonight. They sit at 40 and 11 on the season. The Kings at 16 and 34. I feel bad for the Kings because the Warriors are coming off their worst loss in 131 contests. A 129 to 99 road thumping at Utah on Wednesday. <clears throat> the Kings sitting at 16 and 34, as I mentioned, uh, ha- they haven't lost consecutive games since losing three straight by a combined 32 points in March 2017. So, best of success, Sacramento. But I, I think you're in for a rough night, unfortunately. Um, who knows though? It, that's the thing about the Warriors. They know they're going up against a team's best you know, performance because teams get up to play the Warriors. I, the Kings just don't have it. So look for the Warriors to win by a landslide tonight. So let's talk some more basketball, guys, this time the college level. Yesterday, first-ranked Villanova, who now sits at 21-1, and dismantled Creighton. Uh, who's 17 and six? Not a bad Creighton team. Uh, they dismantled them by a score of 98 to 78. M- Michael Bridges scored 21 points, and Jalen Brunson added 19 to lead number one Villanova to its eighth straight win uh, over Creighton Thursday night. Uh, again, the Wildcats 21 and one, eight and one in the Big East, tied a program record with 19 three pointers, and provided a nice diversion for a city. Con- consumed with the Philadelphia Eagles and the Super Bowl. Um, Villanova just looked elite last night. They the, they made Creighton, which is a pretty good offensive team, albeit they, they are down one of their you know big starting players. They made Creighton, the, the ball movement wasn't working, so essentially it became when the shot clock hit eight or nine or eight or seven seconds left, Creighton basically had to drive into the paint and try and create something, and it rarely worked. So Villanova, not only were they amazing offensively, defensively they're insanely disciplined. Villanova looks set to be a force to be reckoned with in the March Madness tournament coming up. Uh, Pac-12, the Washington Huskies defeated 25th-ranked Arizona State uh, 68-64, a close one in Seattle. Uh, they now both share the same record. Huskies at 16-6, and Sun Devils at 16-6. and Sun Devils continue to struggle after starting the season 13-0. They're now 4-6 and in Pac-12 play, and they obviously look like they're going to be tumbling out of the top 25. Now it's, let's go on to... 
different college basketball news. This one is a little bit, uh, it's, not, it's not a game result. It's about Tom Izzo, uh, this out of East Lansing. This much became clear Wednesday night, and this is according to USA Today. Tom Izzo is not going to let ESPN dictate the terms of how and when he answers their allegations. In an age when big media stories move fast, intensifying as they steamroll their subjects, Izzo isn't playing by their rules. He definitely isn't. Uh, he defiantly, or he isn't defiantly defending himself. Excuse me, as D'Antonio did on Friday. Nor is he admitting anything. He's chosen option C, a standoff by stonewalling. After Michigan State's home win over Penn State on Wednesday, and for the third time in six days, Izzo looked uncomfortable at the podium facing questions though less so than he had Sunday at Maryland. Opening statement lasted three minutes as he explained the details of the team's win, delaying questions he knew were coming in the wake of Friday's ESPN Outside the Lines report and the hours upon average, or hours of coverage since. Quote, well, I appreciate the question, Izzo began, and one thing I've done my whole career, I've had great respect for the media, and you have the right to ask. Unfortunately, I have no additional comments. I've given my comments. Uh, the questions come from... Um, the questions come from an ESPN analyst who were pressing... He was, she was pressing Tom Izzo for trying to get... Or he, she was pressing Izzo about sexual misconduct allegations from one of his players, and she followed up by asking, "Do you have any inkling as far as a timeline timeline when you might be able to provide a full account of the players involved in the outside the lines piece?" Steele followed up. Uh, he responded, "I think there will be a time when I'll be able to speak, but it isn't right now." On one hand, he owes his community answers and assurances that over time he hasn't treated accusations of sexual assault or abuse toward women by his players with ca uh, callous disregard. This is a core question facing the university right now. Does it listen and respond to sexual assault victims? And it's, and it's the argument ESPN makes for coupling these two storylines. If the state attorney's general investigation shows that Izzo and his program were dismissive or ignored appropriate steps, he's in trouble and should be. On the other hand, I don't blame him for not giving ESPN easy material for a story that has turned into a television drama, not with how ESPN has behaved, including irresponsibility by plastering the faces of Izzo and D'Antonio next to a picture of a convicted serial sexual abuser Larry Nassar on the same television backdrop, not so subtly conflating those two stories behind the headline, Crisis at Michigan State. Even if you think the worst of Izzo and D'Antonio, they sure as hell don't deserve that. That was from an article uh, from USA Today, and I couldn't agree more. <clears throat> yes, it it is an unfortunate time to have these allegations come out about one of the players on the team, especially with um, the conviction of serial sexual abuser Larry Nassar. Thank goodness, by the way, he's rotting in jail. I wish we could there there could be something more done to him, but that's not the time we live in. Anyways. The way ESPN has painted Tom Izzo is disgraceful. They put him, as USA Today mentioned, uh, next to a picture of that piece of garbage on the same television backdrop, not so subtly conflating those two stories behind the headline crisis at Michigan State. So the ESPN's just, dis it's disgusting the way they've been acting recently. 
you, their bias is clearly showing on their stance on certain issues outside of sports. And it's really tough to watch their programming sometimes. I really would miss the days where it was just sports center 24-7. They talked sports, and that was it. That's not the case anymore. Now it's all opinion. You have a few hours of sports center, but now they have all these personalities that I really don't give a damn what their opinion is. And they're trying to shove their bias down our throats on stuff that we really... If we wanted to hear more political nonsense, we could go to a news network. We're here to watch sports, and and that's it. So I'm, <laughs> I I don't blame Izzo for not. He's probably being told by his lawyer not to say anything right now until the investigation's done. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? Nowadays, it's guilty until proven innocent. And if you're even accused of a crime, something like that, your reputation is tarnished. And imagine applying for a job with something like that. You're, you have a black mark just following you around on your record the rest, the rest of your life. So, it, and it pains me to think of all the real victims out there who have suffered a, a horrible a horrible you know, atrocity committed against them and they're just lumped in with uh, oh you're probably faking it just to get attention or you're probably just trying to cause a scene it's horrible so for all you know the real victims out there it it's so unfortunate the way things have gone lately just because now you know it's just common it's just common to hear see the hashtag me too and who knows if the story's real or who knows if it's not, but the the person who's accused is automatically assumed that they're a, you know, sexual deviant. And some in some cases that I'm sure they are. But now it's just so mainstream that it you never know. So it's unfortunate for those real victims out there. And for Tom Izzo, he's always been a stand-up guy, always a guy who, if I had a son who was looking to play D1 basketball, I would absolutely trust Coach Tom Izzo with my son. Um, it's unfortunate to see two class acts like D'Antonio and Izzo drug through the mud just for ESPN's little uh, soap opera that they're running. So I hope this gets cleared up quickly. I hope the, the due process moves along smoothly so we can all get back to watching basketball. And Michigan State's having a fantastic season, so... Uh, Tom Izzo, I'm sure, will find a way to quiet, you know, just keep it in the locker room. Um, just focus on our game, focus on what we can control, and let due process run its course. Tough to do nowadays with the way social media is and companies like ESPN uh, coming after him night in and night out. Uh, I feel for the guy and hope, as I mentioned, hope that this gets solved quickly. This next story comes out of the NFL from one of the more successful franchises in the league, the Green Bay Packers. Drama in Green Bay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers seems to be fine physically, but the Packers quarterback's feelings seem to be hurt. During his interview with ESPN Radio this morning, Rodgers made it fairly obvious he wasn't consulted or happy about the decision to let quarterback's coach Alex Van Pelt go this offseason as a part of a staff overhaul there. 
Quote, my quarterback coach didn't get retained, Rodgers said via Jason Wilde of ESPN Wisconsin. I thought that that was an interesting change, really without consulting me. There's a close connection between a quarterback and his quarterback coach, and that was an interesting decision. <clears throat> without reading too much into it, uh, he didn't seem happy on the, on his radio bit. Van Pelt and Rodgers were tight uh, for after four years together in their respective roles. Uh, but Van Pelt didn't sign a contract extension, which was offered last year, in part because Coach Mike McCarthy has a habit of not letting assistants interview for coordinator jobs, including blocking Ben, uh, excuse me, blocking Ben McAdoo in the past. Van Pelt's now in Cincinnati as the quarterbacks coach. McCarthy has turned over much of his staff with new coordinators on both sides of the ball, and another of other coaching changes, along with a new general manager. And while there's always seemingly been some level of creative tension between Rodgers and McCarthy, airing his grievances so publicly, publicly is unusual for a coach and quarterback who have had so much success together. So when you have a star quarterback with the likes of Aaron Rodgers, who, who is arguably the best, I feel like you just kind of bend over backwards to make sure he's happy and comfortable. I understand that you it's your team technically and you're going to run it the way you think that is best to be run. But it sort of helps if you have the guy who's calling the signals, who's really giving you all that success on the field. It sort of helps if you make him happy and comfortable. So to me, this is a very surprising development. And McCarthy should, should be stepped carefully. If Aaron Rodgers is unhappy... I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if Aaron Rodgers started playing somewhere else. Think about it. What has Green Bay really given Aaron Rodgers besides great receivers and a solid offensive line? Not really anything. The defense has always been suspect and other than that one Super Bowl run where that was a that was a good team, they really haven't had the pieces to win it all. So if I'm Aaron Rodgers, I start in free agency. His free agency is coming up, I think. So if I'm Rodgers, I probably start looking around and perusing my options and keeping keeping an eye on the landscape of the league as this season progresses or as next season progresses. And just keep my options open. Uh, he's done a lot for the city of Green Bay and has done a lot for that organization. Um... I'm just I'm just curious to see how that develops. I personally wouldn't be shocked if we saw Aaron Rodgers playing elsewhere at some point. And this last bit of sports news I got for you guys comes out of the uh, Major League Baseball. Baseball, uh, you know, the the hierarchy of baseball and the commissioner is currently in league meetings right now and this is good news for someone like myself who's trying to learn more about baseball i am definitely not a hardcore baseball fan by any means i'm trying to learn how the game works strategies statistics stuff like that and to be fair i'm a kind of a seattle mariners fan so it's kind of hard to stay focused on or you know really follow baseball when your team has been mediocre for 16 years now i think 2001 was so 17 great 17 uh i think 2001 was the last time the mariners made the postseason if i'm not mistaken so 
Without further ado, let's get into these updates. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred has pleaded time and again for workable feedback from the players in an effort to accelerate the pace of play. And the latest proposal on the negotiating table reflects that player sentiment. Manfred was in California for owners' meetings Thursday, and he told reporters generally that MLB is willing to defer implementation of a pitch clock for the 2018 season if the players agree to guidelines designed to, uh, to reduce the average time of game. Among the highlights, the most recent MLB proposal, the time of game goal for 2018 would be to play games in under 2 hours and 55 minutes. If 2.55 or longer, a failure to meet the goal, then an 18-second pitch clock would be put into effect for the 2019 season with an automatic ball strike penalty for violations put into effect on May 1st, 2019. If the average game time was under 2.55, or that's 2 hours 55 minutes, in 2018, then the MLB would play in 2019 without a pitch clock and the time of game goal would be 2 hours and 50 minutes. If that goal wasn't met, the use of the pitch clock would be triggered for 2020. The MLB will withdraw its request for a between batter time if the union reaches an agreement on the pace of play initiatives. The MLB maintained its request for a limit of six mound visits with possible circumstantial trigger to five and specific times allotted for pitchers to warm up between innings and for hitters to approach home plate so that the game promptly restarts after commercial break. But in 2018, no penalties attached to the ball strike count for those not, compli uh, compli not in compliance. Special circumstances are acknowledged, such as when an inning ends and when a runner is on base or when a catcher makes the last out of an inning and requires more time to put on his gear. So, for someone, as I said, for someone like myself who's trying to learn more about the game and trying to get more involved, this is great news. I definitely cannot sit down and watch an entire game of baseball on TV. I just can't. Um, I, I, again, I attend Lewis Clark State College here in Lewiston, Idaho, and we have a team that's won, I believe, two straight NAIA World Series, and I've been lucky enough to announce them you know, in the PA booth. And those games are fun. College baseball is a, a lot faster, and the teams get out there, get in their formations, and next thing you know, the batter's approaching the batter's box. I wish Major League was the same way. Um, I, there are some of you probably right now who who can sit down and watch an entire baseball game, no problem, and that's great. You know, I'm the same way with uh, football and basketball, and you know, some people might not feel the same way. That's totally fine if that's if that's your thing. I just don't see how it's an it's. <laughs> The pace that the pitchers go out there, go about their business, and it's interesting for a little bit, you know, maybe half an hour, where I watch a pitcher and a batter go at it. But after two or three innings of just scoreless, you know, baseball and just strikeout after strikeout or out after out, it just gets tedious for me. So. For me, this is great news, and I hope we see some of these changes implemented in the upcoming season. Thank you for listening to this episode of Garrison Talk Sports here on Anchor. If you'd like to hear any of my other content on other outlets, check iTunes or Google Play. You can find my podcast on either of those sites. 
If you'd like to see any more of my content, go to my Facebook page titled the exact same thing, Gears and Talk Sports. If you'd like any other of my content, I'm trying my hand at sports blogging now, and I know I still have room to grow and improve. But if you'd like to see any of those posts, go to Wixsite at or go to GarrisHardy at dot Wixsite.com rather. GarrisHardy.wixsite.com. And I'll be trying to post those blogs as frequently as I can, depending on the content and the the the, the news that comes rolling in from the sporting world. And uh, I'll continue to try and get better at it. So guys, have a great Friday. I'll be hearing, you'll be hearing from me soon. Again, TGIF.